Today, welcome to Let's Talk About Jesus, where we discuss issues and challenges of life, and then we provide solutions according to the Bible. So, thank you for joining us today. My name remains the same. I'm your host, and I'm Solomon. Uh, today, you can follow us on any of our social media platforms, be it on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter. So, Whichever one you choose, you will be able to uh, listen to us through them. Don't forget to listen to us on the podcast of your favorite, uh, whether you're on Apple, on Google, or any other platform that you chose to be. All right? So, our website remains the same, uh, Solomon oluabi.com visit the website and you will get to see the past ones that we have done likewise if you subscribe to our youtube channel you will get to see them as they become available uh so today we have bring to you a critical topic in this era <laughs> so we have bring to you a topic that um uh, is somehow provocative uh, in the sense that we need to have conversation about this topic. Uh, but before I tell you the topic, I need to tell you that uh, we have on this program, Mr. Odedeye is going to be doing the justice to our questions today. So. Uh, as always, it's a big contribution, uh, contributor to Let's Talk About Jesus. And I want to use this uh, opportunity to thank uh, Mr. Here for being on this program. Uh, thank you, sir, for coming on this program. Thank you for calling, for inviting me. And I appreciate your efforts. And God will bless your efforts and promote it so that the truth of his word and the truth of his message will be very clear to every listener and every watcher of your programs. And so you are doing a good job in promoting issues beyond uh, what I would call regular pulpit sermonizing. You are now raising issues that concern every Christian or that should concern every Christian. And uh, it is appreciated. I appreciate it. And I pray that God will also appreciate your efforts. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much, Mr. Deye. And to everyone that are watching us, don't forget you are able to send us the chat, your contributions, your questions, they are welcome. So as much as we are trying to answer the questions that we have here today, uh, we will branch, meaning we will stop by to answer your questions that you may have. So, the question before us today is Jesus the politician. That is our topic today. Jesus the politician. And uh, actually, I said this topic is provocative for uh, a lot of time because of the way we see politics. So, today, uh, we will be talking or we will be looking into Jesus the politician. But before we go into our questions, of course, for viewers and listeners to understand where we are coming from, okay, and to have an idea as to what we are doing today. So, politics in recent years could be seen from a different perspective, okay? Uh, political parties are associated with various characters. There is no doubt that God is a God of order and he instituted governmental authority so that there may be ordered and no government exists except from God. So if you read Romans chapter 13, verse one to seven, it talks about government authority. And actually in verse one, the Bible says, the authority that exists are appointed by God. Therefore, now back to my own point. Therefore, people desire to see the godly character in their politicians. Daily, however, as Christians, we are to live our life in a manner that reflects Christ. 
We are to demonstrate Christ-like character regardless of our profession, regardless of our calling. Of course, this does not exempt politicians. Since Jesus is our role model, therefore, we need to look at Jesus, a politician. So, then, as opposed to modeling after Christ, we are going to be looking at Jesus, the politician. So, that is how uh, we get to this point. Now, my first question to you, Mr. Redeye, is this. Politics as part of life is a necessity of life of human created by God. If Jesus were to be a politician, and everyone listening to us, please listen to the question carefully. If Jesus were to be a politician, what would be the definition of politics to him? <clears throat> okay, thank you very much for your for the question. Uh, before we go, before the to really understand the problem, we have to to really answer the question. We have to understand the problem. So, what is the what is our definition of politics? Yes, you have mentioned yes, all authority is uh, ordained by God and all that. But politics is simply the process of governing a society. Well, for the public good, they say for the public good, whereby the conflicts that exist or materialize will be mediated by institutions established for such purposes. These institutions are coordinated by a government, and the conflicts may be economic, social, cultural, or even among individuals. And there are many routes such a government may come into power which are also determined by their epochs or eras. For example, this present era is deemed to be largely democratic, which necessitates elections into offices. And in the previous eras, we had feudal, you know, the pharaoh, the kings, and all the rest. So with this background, we discover that politics is at the root of human human existence. So if that is the case, if that is the case, then we have to look at what the scripture says about politics so that and what it says about Jesus Christ and his role in that uh, context. <clears throat> so in Genesis 1, 28, uh, it says, uh, God commanded man to have dominion over all that is created and uh, have dominion and you know use it so we had all the issues you know when you know abraham isaac and jacob up to the rise of Jews as a nation you know what they were doing at that time in terms of calling out abraham to go out and then the birth of isaac and then jacob but let's fast forward to jesus christ in isaiah it is written like this for unto us a child is born Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That is Isaiah 9, 6-7. to Then we look at John. The book of John in 1837, uh, in 18, and then get all the way to 1837, where he recalled, where he calls uh, Jesus' uh, encounter with Pilate. You know, when Pilate asked him, Are you the king of Jews? He said, No, uh, my kingdom is not of this world, and uh, if it were of this world, I would have this. Then Pilate asked him, Are you a king? Then, and Jesus answered, you say rightly that I'm a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And then we recall, of course, earlier, we recall earlier when Jesus had declared who he is in Luke 4, 18, where he pointed out to what was written about him as being anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, which was reiterated in Acts 10, 38, where it is written, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And all of it finally crystallized in Revelation 11, 15 to 17, where this is extracted, that this, then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God. All combined were manifestations of the command in Genesis, have dominion over all these things. So how do you get the dominion? You can be seen that Jesus Christ was, is, and will always be a politician, in quote, a politician in that sense. And those of us who are his followers should not aspire to be less. So the, the, the politician or the whoever as human beings who are politicians, it's not just a question of reflecting Christ in our lives because the nature of Christ himself is the nature of manifesting that command. As we have seen, everything about him is about how we should manifest that dominion, be it in government or whatever, whichever way we come about the government. And then we can see in the various books of the kings, you see, they will say, uh, this king did evil in the sight of God. This king did good in the sight of God. So uh, in all manifestations, uh, regardless of how we define politics or politicians, the essence is one to have the uh, to have dominion over everything that God created means we have to be able to distribute and redistribute, produce, reproduce, distribute and redistribute and redistribute the resources that are available, and that is the essence of politics. So there is no way they can be separated and we shouldn't be separated. And those of us who, yes, we are privileged to know Christ, it's a privilege, although it's free, uh, we should not shy away from it. Thank you. All right, good. We are actually gonna, where you hand, we're gonna have a question that will run off this program in that sense. And at that point, you will get to tell us more about yeah. that. All right, so Jesus the politician. <laughs> okay, here's my second question. And so, politics is a game that takes into relevance the political uh, company as well as the benefit <coughs> of, of both the good, the bad, and the ugly decision of the government. Looking into our world today, we can see how politicians treat their companies that we call parties. Uh, their opponents, as well as the governed. The question, picture Jesus as a politician. How will he treat these three groups of people? Okay. Again, we have to look into the character of Jesus as recorded in Acts 10, 38. You know, especially when it says this, uh, going about doing good. Going about doing good. So when we place this within the context of his response to Pilate, Pilate had asked him what the truth is, but Jesus did not answer Pilate. Why didn't he answer? Well, I believe it was simply because Pilate would not recognize the truth, even when faced with it. So when the truth was standing before him, he couldn't recognize it. So this means what we often refer to as the good, the bad, and the ugly decisions are manifestations of our experiences and observations of what is around us, which further means that what is observable may or may not be true. For truth goes beyond either objectivity or subjectivity. Anything that does not transcend both is not the truth. So Jesus treated all the groups, all the groups that we mentioned with a definite call to the truth. That is, neither one's objective nor subjective observation approximates the truth, which can only be determined by its 
approximation to the observation of what is good. For it is written that when God uh, <clears throat> saw everything that he created, he said, and it is good. So the question is this, what is good? Again, we see it in Luke 4.18, which we have quoted earlier. <clears throat> and all through the scripture, Jesus constantly references the truth, and we see that. And he not only speaks it to anyone who will listen, but also ensures its manifestation through the miracles, <clears throat> me, through the miracles he performed. <clears throat> for let's let's look at it for a minute. Uh, when he was going about, you know, when he made the miracle, he turned the fish into food, the two loaves of fish and bread to, to food. Uh, people were following him and they were hungry. So one thing, <clears throat> what one can deduce from that, that well, they were unable to feed themselves and probably the government of the day, because there had to be a government of the day, keeping order, whatever that government is, was also unable to provide enough food for people to eat. So Jesus had to manifest himself, his goodness, in that miracle. So by doing so, he established the truth. That is, his mission is to place the truth before humanity, to address those problems that human beings are facing. And of course, it doesn't have to be, and that is why it is a miracle. It doesn't have to be the governor, or the uh, pharaoh, or the king to do all that because everything was under him. So, as the you know, currently our balance, we say we must speak truth to power. So, to follow Jesus is not only—I mean, he spoke truth to power, but not only speaking truth to power, but also ensure that we manifest that truth uh, uh, within the confines of our ability and our circumstances that we not only because you can speak truth to power and then just disappear and then give it to the power but he not only spoke truth to power he also manifested the truth that he spoke so when you speak the truth to power, you must also be able to manifest it. So when you have the good, the bad, and the ugly in all these things, all they need to be, all, what Jesus did, because at that time there will also be the good, the bad, and the ugly among them and doing all that. And we read about that in the scripture. So all that, what it means is confronting it with the truth. And when you know Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ confronted it with the truth. And that was why he was able to do what he did. So he wasn't just talking. He wasn't just speaking truth to them. He was actually providing the solution for them. Because if the people were hungry and they were following him and he provided food for him, the lesson is that when you are in that situation and you have the means or the ability so it's not just about your ability to analyze it, to determine whether, you know, what should be done, but your ability to actually provide that solution and work towards the provision of that solution, which was exactly what Jesus Christ did. So I think, uh, so when, uh, excuse me, Those of us who know, those who know the good, once we have, once we have appropriated what is good, that is, we know the truth because we are followers of Christ, who is the truth. So when we flow in his direction, whether anyone is good, bad, or ugly, all we need to do is to confront that person or the situation with that truth. And that truth must be manifested, not in only our speeches, but also our preaching or speeches, but also in our ability to transform that environment. Because that was what Jesus did. If that environment was not transformed by providing them food to eat, they would die <clears throat> or move away or something will happen. So every miracle was an address the particular problem 
that it faced. All right, great. Thank you so much uh, for everyone that are watching on the Instagram, please. Uh, you will not be able to see Mr. Eddie's uh, picture or video. Uh, you will only see me. Uh, but if you are on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook, you are seeing him right now. If you are on Twitter, see him uh you can switch to any of those uh, platforms and then you will get to be able to see him uh don't forget to send in your contributions in your questions we will be glad to address them thank you for joining us today all right here is my third question and that question is saying politics is said to be a dirty game is the game dirty or are the players the one who play in this one <laughs> Ah, well, <clears throat> uh, excuse me. <clears throat> uh, this, this actually goes into the heart of the matter of what the truth is. Okay, for those who say it is a dirty game, that is their observation. You know, they observe it for whatever reason. So, those who say otherwise also say it from their own observations, again, for whatever reasons. So, those who play with this fan, those who say it's a dirty game and play with this sign. And I mean, there are those who say that and there are those who don't say that. So the truth, therefore, cannot be an aggregation of this. It must <coughs> transcend it. So those who say it is a dirty game may be saying it because they do not want to play their parts. They may be using it as an excuse to discourage others from coming on board. Those who take the opposite view may also be saying so to attract others to support them to their side so that their influence can become greater. Now, these are just my own observations. But they can all these things can also be counteracted and contradicted by other observations. So it's not a straight a manichaean or binary line between okay, it's a dirty game and it's not a dirty game. So that is not the issue, but uh, the, my answer will be that whatever answer we have must be in alignment with what I will call, this is my own specific uh, characterization, uh, what I will call the politician's mission statement. The politician's mission statement, which is anchored on look for a team. So anyone who is not in alignment with that mission statement is not of the truth. Because if you can't set the people free, if you can't do all the things that you said, if you can't set at liberty those who are oppressed and by the devil and all that, uh, you cannot say, uh, uh, I mean, if you say it's a dirty game, if you now say, because you are not doing all those things, because you are not in alignment with that mission statement, and you are saying it's a dirty game, then that means you are condoning what you call uh, the the death, the deathiness. If you say it is not a dirty game and uh, it's a good game, but you are not still pursuing that mission statement, uh, you are still not of the truth. So, in essence, and that was why I said it's my that's my. Uh, own characterization of look for a team that that is the mission statement that should follow everybody so uh, once when you now confronted with a, a situation where someone says it's a dirty game and uh, we should not be part of it and this and that what they are telling you is that they have no solution to the problem that is on ground that is what they are telling you that, or that is what they are saying so because the solution is there why because the truth is there that has provided us with the solution so while the while it says okay said the said the captives free didn't specify okay who are the captives who are the are we going to take up arms to fight them or are we going to do rallies and protests and all that? of course he doesn't need to say that but the point is once you take that as your mission statement then the circumstances and the context which you find yourself 
will play a part in how you respond to it. But certainly, you must respond to it. So when when they start talking about next game, swine and all that, they are just trying to shirk their responsibility. And if, even if they are not saying it's a dirty game, they just want to distance themselves away from it. It's still a shaking away from responsibility because Jesus Christ will not locate himself in that scripture if that is not his mission statement. Was and is and will always be because he was, he is, and he will always be. So we can use any terms to characterize that. So he said, read this part. They read the part and said, today, the scripture is fulfilled. I have come. I have done this. So that mission statement, uh, what I call that mission statement, should be the guiding light and then should address all these whole questions so that we don't uh, we don't shark our responsibility. Yeah, most Christians will say, Politics is a synthetic game. Don't go for it. Uh, uh, do this and do that. Yeah, fine. But you you operate under that dirty game. You align yourself with the dictates of that dirty game. You obey the products of that dirty game. Yet you have the you have the truth in your heart to address it. And you are saying no it's a dirty game i want to go to heaven i'm not saying people should not go to heaven or should not aspire to go to heaven but uh you know i don't think it is good and it is not of the truth to know the truth to abandon the truth for whatever reason and then say you are still searching for the truth or you are working towards achieving the truth because the truth is already there it's just that you don't want to face it wow that 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 statement alone is loaded uh if not for our time we will have dwell a little bit on that statement it's not good to know the truth and abandon the truth and still searching for the truth wow that is powerful. Uh, we are going now to the reason why this program is done, which is Lead Me to Jesus segment, and you will be doing yeah. that for us. <laughs> before we do that, let me read to all our viewers and listeners, because you keep reading uh, the book of Luke chapter 4, verse 18, which is actually one of our core belief on Let's Talk About Jesus, if you go on our website. But I'm going to read it from the Bible uh, for today's program's sake. And it would be nice if all of us, regardless of our profession or our calling, make this our mission statement, not just the politicians, but of course, today we are talking about politics. So Luke 4, 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and this was Jesus speaking. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That would be a wonderful mission statement if the politicians will only listen to that all right lead me to jesus segment over to you sir it's a time we introduce people to christ and christ to people yeah okay thank you uh i mean i'm not an evangelist i'm not a so you have to you have to bear with me uh but i'm going to take my cue from apostle peter salmon yeah, as written in Acts 2, 14 to 38. And, you know, from which, you know, I, I take this from it. It says, men of Israel, hear this words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having lost the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. 
Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in hate, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life, and you have made me full of joy in your presence. And Peter concluded by saying, or the record was concluded, saying, when they had this, they were caught to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So the essential element in the above is the question, what shall we do? So leading me, uh, the whole concept of leading me to Christ can be equated to what shall we do? Having been exposed to the truth, the owners rest on us to answer that question, which is our mark of responsibility. For the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has also shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And it's the same God who made this Jesus, both Lord and Christ, and who also commanded us to have dominion over all things created. So by which we know that our knowledge of the truth emboldens us to answer the question as to what we shall do further reiterated by Apostle Peter when they asked the people to repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, mandating a responsibility on our part. Uh, there's a song that goes like this. <clears throat> into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. So when we ask him to come into our hearts, it mandates a responsibility on our part to ensure that he remains there. For having said, he stands, he said, he stands at the door and knock. If any man hears his voice and opens the door, he will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. So what shall we do then but open the door? And when opened, it becomes our responsibility to maintain his presence. For no man will open his door to a friend or neighbor and misbehave in the presence of that neighbor, unless there's something amiss with that person. Therefore, the necessity to repent, turn from our wicked ways, and reflect the light which we have invited into our hearts. So what shall we do? Simply open the door for Jesus Christ is knocking at the door. And all we need to do is to open it and he can come in. This light, this truth is the free gift of God. So all we need to do is to open the door, open our hearts to the light that exists. And whether you've had it before or not, or whether you are hearing it for the first time, the point is when they heard Peter speak, they ask themselves, what shall we do? So in the same manner, we should ask ourselves, what shall we do? Having heard about him, whether we had it before, whether we are hearing it for the first time, the same question remains, what shall we do? You have the light that is present, that is knocking. Are you going to open the door for the light? Or you want to remain let me say darkness but everyone wants the light everyone wants the light to be the light to project the light so i say open your heart to him and let him come in. and by doing that you are showing the responsibility that whatever it is that is causing you to live a life that is not pleasing to god you will make sure that alongside his direction, alongside his relationship with you, because it's inside you, you will continually be examining yourself so that you can continuously walk in the light. And then the scripture says, the whole creation is waiting 
eagerly waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. So I hope we all want to be counted as being part as the sons of God. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, sir. And if you have <coughs> a program giving your life to Jesus, please find a Bible-believing church. Uh, let us pray this prayer that, Lord, I am giving my life to you today. Take my life. Make it use of your glory. I come before you today in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, I receive forgiveness from you. Thank you for forgiving me my sin. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So if you have listened to that, and if you have prayed that prayer, please find the Bible Believing Church and start going to one. And of course, if you need a hard copy of the Bible, please send us a message on this program. We'll be glad to send you one. That is our website right there, displaying, or you can send <coughs> a viewpoint at Solomon. Uh, at viewpoint at solomonoluabi.com. You can send us an email and we will be glad to send you one of the Bible copy. All right, so let us go to my next question on the second phase of this program today. Can the game ever be filled when practical time has been dirty in the hands of Jesus as a player? As a player? <clears throat> Uh, absolutely not. Uh, and you know, again, I will hop back on the question of the of the truth. Excuse me. I will hop back on the question of the truth because that's what Jesus was, is, and will always be. So the pursuit of that truth, pursuit of the truth, or the manifestation, or the exhibition of the truth cannot be a game, and it cannot be dirty. And uh, we are dealing with the lives of people who are to be set at liberty. So again, you know, the mission statement and the truth. So if you want to, if the truth seeks liberty, it cannot be a dirty uh, exercise and it cannot be a dirty game. So if one is pursuing it and uh, some are saying it is dirty, it is either they are saying that you are not pursuing what is supposed to be pursued or you yourself are not actually pursuing it. You are just making it up. So we then go back to when God commanded man to have dominion over all things created, which means we have to have the knowledge from which to develop that ability to ensure that dominion. You know, proceeding from the, that was proceeding from the follow, which made man to have to walk as, you know, in Genesis 3.18, so it says, causes the ground for your sake in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and these truths, and it shall bring forth for you, and you shall uh, eat the herb of the field and the sweat of your face, Therefore, the Lord God sent him, that's Adam, out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken, which translates into what we now know today as, uh, we say, which we now call education. Again, which came to the recognition and realization of the forces at work in nature, and thereby enable us to have dominion over them. You know, Ecclesiastes 1.13 says, And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. This bodysome task God has given to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. So doing this cannot be a game either, and it cannot be death. Then we come to the question of observation, whether it's objective or subjective. For regardless of whether we believe Jesus Christ is Lord or not, we exhibit some type of morality which some assume to be the end of their life's journey. From that, we must also assume that the morality or moral choices cannot be a game 
for it has consequences both for today and tomorrow regardless of whether it derives from yesterday therefore we are only trying to shift responsibility when politics is defined as a game or whether it is dirty for by this we can always apportion blame which to a large extent is also an expression of morality but which has nothing to do with the truth but we also recognize that this is the way of the world you know the way of the world will characterize things in any way or manner <clears throat> but because we are sons of god our presence in this world cannot be a game cannot be deemed a game we must therefore oppose whatever tries to consign it into a game by not only speaking truth to power but also manifesting that truth for it is in the manifestation that characterized you know when i said earlier kings into those doing good or if you know they will say yeah this king did good in the sight of the lord is good uh did evil in the sight of the world it is the same manifestation that brought jesus christ before Pilate. it was the same thing that made the apostles go through the various experiences with the authorities of their time it was the same truth that made galileo a pioneer in manifesting the truth of Ecclesiastes 1.13 and he suffered the consequences in the hands of even church officialdom of that time. But what he did eventually paved the way for the active participation of many Christians in the development of knowledge that we are witnessing today and which, you know, by the way, <clears throat> without which many of those African Christians in the diaspora we probably have nowhere to run to and you know uh, without which we may not be able to acquire all the private jets to promote evangelism by denominational leaders and all that so our responsibility is not to see it as a game or as dirty even if that is how the world sees it but how we become the conduit for the transmission of the light in the world of darkness and that was why, uh, you know, in Ezekiel 13, Ezekiel 3, when uh, it says, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning. That is talking to the prophets now, nor, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stable blow before him, he shall die, because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous man should not sin, and he does not sin, he sh shall surely live he took money also you have delivered your soul what does that mean our bodily activity or existence even if it is produced as or in history is relevant only to the extent of our human knowledge and experiences which may be celebrated or derided but this is not what determines the reach of the soul the moral agency for the body by which humanity has come to experience good or evil, sin and repentance, by which the soul lives or dies, and which is also the subject, which is also subject to the Holy Spirit, which gives life. So when we talk of evil uh, game and that a human may glory in the morality and achievements of the bodily form. Okay, I'm not going to be part of the uh, game. It's a dirty game, uh, it's this and that. But at the end of it all, the Holy Spirit will ask the soul to account for what is done through the body. Hence, the reference to the delivery of the soul is either to submit to the evil spirit by not manifesting the truth or to give, uh, to allow the Holy Spirit to give the life. And that is what we must seek to aspire to hope to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit so that we are not consumed 
by the characterization of all these things as dirty, as game, and all that, because that is the way of the world. Uh, uh, that is the the essence of sin. Because when you say uh, the arts or the science or the means or the knowledge to set people at liberty is a dirty game, and you agree with it. Is then one should go back to Ezekiel 3 that I quoted above that the mission statement in Luke 4 18 taken together uh, cannot in any manner or shape be deemed game, a game or dirty. I mean, Jesus Christ uh, was crucified for it and he rose up and became so when we we have to be uh i mean when i say we i'm talking about sons of god i'm talking about those who know their their stand those who are confident about their relationship with god those who know their god like daniel said those who know their god will uh, uh perform excellence and all that so you know your God and your God knows you and it is possible. It is not a secret. It is not something that is beyond knowledge. You know, that is the knowledge that you know. When you know it, then you cannot afford to go by the definition of what is a game or what is dirty. You have to be able to stand against it and stand for the truth regardless of whether they accept it or not. But we cannot we cannot be behaving and claiming to be Christians, claiming to be sons of God, claiming to be disciples or you know apostles and this and that and having big denominations and all that. And then just say, okay, we let's leave them for their game. Let's leave them for their it's a dirty thing. Let's just continue to pray and pray for them so that they can change their ways and stuff when the solution is in you. So, uh, yes, you know, that is the definition of the world. But for Jesus Christ, he didn't say that was why he provided alternatives. All the miracles and all the things that he did were to show the people, you know, when Jesus said, uh, all these things have done we do greater things and I think it was in John it was in John where I said if they were going to record everything that Jesus did even the books of the world we don't uh, account for so if we are thinking that doing better things that Jesus did is to perform more miracles then we are going to perform countless miracles but what Jesus uh, was saying and still saying today, and we still say tomorrow, is what is written in Ecclesiastes 1 that have this thing to do this thing. So you can stay in Washington, D.C., develop some kind of mechanism to cure some kind of disease, and the disease can be cured 10,000 miles away. So all these things we have, the, God has given it to us. Uh, unfortunately for those of us from the African continent, uh, we are not utilizing it. But where it is utilized, we waste no time to come to America to grow. And we start saying we have come to evangelize them. Yeah. And all that. So, there's a, 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 a whole lot of things in that. So, it's an excuse. Really. It's an excuse to say that it is a game or it is dirty. And I, 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 I will be able to say that Jesus will not look at it that way because he, he is the embodiment of his transformation. And the embodiment of his transformation, you can't say it is that you are not going to do anything about it. You transform it. That's simple. It's as simple as that. If you, if you can't transform it, well, maybe there are so many reasons, but it's not, it's not, it's not acceptable. I mean, that's what I'm just All right. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, sir. Um, 
I know our time is fast spent, but we cannot go without uh, without having to ask the last question for the day because I I, I would say it's a golden question. Yes. And uh, here is my question. So the question the question is why Christians shy away from politics and why do we uh, why do few who venture into it easily compromise their standards so now that we know that politics in the hand of Jesus cannot be dirty as a player uh, we know its mission we're supposed to pattern our life after Christ. Um, yeah, I know our time is fast spent, but we will need to address that last question. Uh, why is it that a lot of us Christians shy away from politics, and why do few who goes into it uh, they become corrupted? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, when we can say Christians did not and did not shy away from politics. I mean, we just to look, you know, from the know that uh, we can look at some examples, even though if you don't classify them as Christian, because, you know, it was before Christ, you know, because the Old Testament scripture, which is okay. So we have Joseph, you know, whose divine Jews enabled him to oversee the affairs of Egypt as prime minister. Which you know, it didn't shy away from it because it was, it was divine. You know, Moses led the Jews out of uh, Egypt, and then we come to the rules of that period as governors, even under the Roman Empire. We also have the example of Philip's conversion of the Ethiopian treasurer, that was the Ethiopian emperor, and then the birth of the John Ethiopian church, which still is sustained today. And it's influenced, you know, the Ethiopian, was it the Coptic Church, that is influenced when Martin Luther was, you know, carrying out his information uh, and debates and all that and all that. And of course, you know, many of the scientific inventions and all the rest, you know, I mean, I think the statistics is that, you know, 70 or 80 percent of the scientists that actually pioneered the transformation uh, were Christians. And then, you know, so coming to down to uh, your back is, I mean, I'm but that's a different question for the next time. Uh, so we have, you know, there was this guy, Bujola Akbibi, Akbibi, who, you know, he attended the World Conference on Racism in London. And uh, of course, he, he promoted, he actually established the Yoruba Baptist Convention, which now became which was later appropriated as the Nigerian Baptist Convention. He established the Yoruba Teachers Union, which again became the Nigerian Union of Teachers. And then we have the Reverend Louis who was a pioneer in the Western education, which led to the establishment of University College in Ibadan, which later became the University of Ibadan. And yes, you know, I would know what we all know about. When he was asked to become the uh, Vice Chairman of the Federal Executive Council. His response was to recite Psalm 24 of head, you know, to the band that brought the letter to him. So, um, we, you know, we have the... So, <clears throat> in the current context, um, you know, we have many people, Christians, who have uh, been involved politics and one way or the other. So to actually ask answer your question would be to ask another question and uh, which is which standards have they compromised? If they have compromised the standard, then you have to know what standards they have compromised before you can make that determination. I'm not talking about you, I'm just talking generally now. In other words, what standards have the Christians in politics compromised? And uh, my answer is very full. Again, let's look at this. You know, Ezekiel also. It says, because indeed 
because they have seduced my people, saying peace when there is no peace. And one built a wall and they plastered it with untempered mortar. Say to those who plaster it with untempered mortar that it will fall. There will be flooding and rain, and you shall fall, and the stormy wind shall tear it down. Surely, when the world has fallen, will it not be said to you, Where is the mortar which you plastered it with? So, I will break down the world that you have plastered with untempered mortar and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation will be uncovered. It will fall, and you shall be consumed in the midst of it. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. That's Ezekiel 13. So when we say compromised standard, it's simply the result of plastering the wall with untempered mortar. We have, I mean, the tempered mortar is the manifestation of the truth, as we see in Luke 418. But the untempered, untempered mortar is, or, you know, part of the, you know, we can define it in different ways. But, you know, it's like ascribing to God what is not his. For example, make our predictions and prophecies and this and this and that, which can, which is nothing more than what I would call spiritism. You know, reinforcing an existing reality as it is from God. For example, praying for and obeying authority, even when it is obvious such an authority is doing evil. Because God says, when my people who are called by my name turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them. So when you don't turn from your hand, you are just praying for them. Anyway, so when you seek refuge, seeking refuge from the crisis of humanity without a direct involvement in its transformation, as we have seen in all the examples cited. So inability to confront the world of darkness with the right of God and the truth, thereby substituting material possession or accusation, acquisition as a mark of the truth of God. So with all that, uh, the, 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 the standard of the truth was compromised, I mean, became the compromise because they are no longer exhibiting or following the truth. They have substituted it with something else, which I now define as the untempered mortar, because you you know you are dressing up evil in full. So uh, everything is about how large your denomination is, how big your you know. In uh, Nigeria, there was a time somebody opened a, 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 an auditorium in Abuja, in Abuja, I think, that received about fifty thousand or some kind of people. They went there, they clapped and all that. The man who went to to open the auditorium came back to Lagos and to build another auditorium that is larger than his. You know, it was one, I think it was uh, T.M. Aluko who wrote a book in the 60s called My Messages is Bigger Than Yours. So you have all these things going on. That is what defines success. And, you know, that is what I call untempered mortar, as written in, uh, well, they may not agree with me, but, you know. So, the entire purpose of having dominion over everything created is to ensure that we are not subservient to it. Therefore, this, that is, that dominion by itself cannot be the measure of success of our Christianity. For Christ was also tempted with these material possessions, but he refused to worship it. So when such material achievements become the measure of our Christianity, that may lead to what Jesus Christ says, uh, Matthew 7, 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Apart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And this reflects the reality that our bodily activity or existence is, rela- is relevant only to the extent of our human knowledge and experiences. So with all that, it shows that uh, when we 
when we say the, com uh, sta the compromise standards, we have to establish what the standard is. And the standard has been established, uh, among other things, foundationally, which we call Look for 18. So when you now find excuses to go beyond that, to do things, to say, uh, this man, Hufa uh, Boanye in Ivory Coast, in order to outdo the Pope and the Catholic Church, he went to his village in Ivory Coast and built the largest basilica, bigger than St. Peter's Basilica, before, you know, when he died. The place is now full of rodents and cockroaches. They can't maintain it. So all these things, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying we should not do witness, we should not be witnessing, we should not be sp spreading the good news, we should not be spreading the gospel. But the question is, spreading it for what purpose? Uh, we had Simon, was it in the Acts, who wanted to bribe Peter to be able to be using what Peter, we know what he did, did he, you know, we know what he did, what, uh, is it Peter or Paul? Paul? And then said, look, we are, this is not a question of uh, sex. So anything, anything that does not glorify the truth as manifested in Luke 418 is compromising the standard. So when somebody says, I want to run for office, I'm a Christian, I need your support, uh, run me to office, I will be governor, president, senator, or any kind of office. But you know that the foundation of what you are running for is very faulty. It's, it's rotten. It's rotten to the core. And then you now say, as a Christian, you want to go in there based on that rottenness and then transform it. Uh, that is uh, plastering the world with untempered mortar. Because if you have the light and the truth in you, you go for the foundation. That is why God says, I look at the heart. I look at what is in your heart. It is your heart. That is the foundation. What do you, what is in you? Who are you? Who, who, what is your, uh, what is your essence? So when a Christian says, yes, we need to do this. Is it addressing the foundational fundamental issue? Or is this just promoting himself to say that he can correct the rot? You know, he can be the only good apple in a basket of rotten apples. You know, the saying is that one rotten apple can damage a basket full of good apples. But this time around, we now want to put a good apple in a basket of rotten apples. And so, uh, when we say the uh, standards are compromised, that is what you should be looking at. They compromise the standard that was set. They have plastered it with untempered mortar because they are covering the rottenness by saying that there is this, they can do this, they can do that. And there are so many of them that have run for office that are occupying offices and doing the same things. So they can't even speak truth to their own power. So how can they speak truth to the power over them? So that is the that is the that is the issue, and that is what we have to address, and that is what we have to determine uh, within within ourselves. Wow, wow! Thank you so much, sir, and uh, yes. to all our viewers today. Thank you for joining us. This is where we're going to be ending today's program. If you have not done so, please go to our YouTube platform. Uh, and subscribe and hit the notification button so that you'll be able to get this as it comes out because on this uh, we know that our world is full of issues and challenges and with that understanding that solutions are in the word of god which is the bible let's talk about jesus is dedicated and committed to ensure that truth is disseminated to the world using all available channels including my view so with that i'm saying go on the website www.solomonolubabini.com and visit the website you will see we have a lot of resources over there uh so this give back to my view and the purpose is together as stated in jude 1 3 let us earnestly contend 
for the faith. And thank you, Mr. Redeye, for joining us today on the program. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, like I said, God will bless all our efforts and open our eyes of understanding to see, to see. This is not condemnation or condemning anyone, or, but, you know, uh, we understand the situation. And uh, Jesus Christ says when he comes, we find faith. Uh, so that faith <laughs> is tied to the mission statement. Yes. So, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. And that's uh, actually one of our foundational scripture here at Let's Talk About Jesus, which is good for a thing that says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So please go on the website and read for yourself. You will see that we have a couple of things over there. Yes, thank you so much, uh, Mrs. Bironkaya Karen Alaolokun. She says, we must be mindful of intentions and follow Christ's example while in politics. Yes, and that's what we said when we started the program today. Christ is our example, is our role model, and we need to follow him. And that's the need why we are talking about looking at Jesus as a politician today because if we look at Jesus in everything we do if we ask that popular question what would Jesus do then we will do better in all of our endeavors so thank you everybody for joining us today we appreciate your time this is let's talk about Jesus where we discuss issues and challenges of life and we are you today Mr. Adedeyi uh, is our regular contributor on this program is our supporter so please continue to pray for us on this program as we continue to do this to you I remain yours I'm Solomon Oluwabeye. Until next week, Sunday at 5 p.m., meet me on this platform again, and you will get to see another face, another conversation. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. Thank Bye. you. Bye.